The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to the Pokepress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. In this episode, we continue our discussion of the music of Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. And from Pagay Podcast helps me analyze the absence of Brother My Brother, the score of the remake, and the opening sequence. After that, we review some social media comments and messages from the chat. If you want to know what we thought of the movie itself, we'll have that discussion in an upcoming episode. Thanks. But um, you had mentioned Blessed Union of Souls. Let's talk about the other song that uh, some folks have felt <gasps> yes. is glaringly missing. I, I would say even in, you know, all due respect to Christina. Um, but uh, Blessed Union of <laughs> Souls, uh, they're still around. In fact, actually, uh, a couple of days before we recorded this, they had one of their songs used in an episode of CBS's The Young and the Restless. So kind of an interesting uh, the thing there. I guess that we can't say they're not totally off the map, but... What do you think about not using some version of Brother My Brother in this? It makes me sad because I really liked that song. I'm not, I know not everybody loved it and its placement, but I did. It like, like all the other music, it like it fulfilled an emotional purpose for me and it was different than the Japanese scores choices. So it, you know, made me realize different things about the movie. So I'm sad to not see it. Um, that, that said, I don't mind them doing something different. Um, I would have liked to see something done with it to at least put it on the soundtrack or the end credits. Cause to me, it is, it is always going to be just a little bit of a Pokemon song. I, I don't know necessarily that it would have had the same impact as it did before. So I don't know that I necessarily wanted it put back in, but I am sorry that it's not part of it in some way. Yeah, yeah. For those of you out there who are maybe like, well, I kind of would have liked it, but I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I want something that's a straight up rendition of the '99 version in there. I, I would suggest uh, we mentioned it last year when we talked about our uh, some live versions of Pokemon music. There's an alternative arrangement of Brother My Brother that Blessed Union of Souls uses in their live concerts. And you can actually hear a version of this on uh, most streaming services. It's at their Live at Never on Sunday album that they produced about five years ago. And uh, I think that version of it, I pointed it out to someone on, on Twitter and they said, yeah, you know, I think this might, one might have worked there if they had done this. And, and just personally me, I do feel like that scene is kind of empty without something more musically emotional in that spot. Maybe that's me just being used to the, you know, 99 English dub and whatnot. But, you know, speaking of social media, not always, not usually a, uh, it's a, it's a bit more of a funhouse mirror reflection than I think some people realize of, of the world, but uh, definitely a lot of where's brother, my brother comments on there. Uh, we'll be bringing up some stuff I found on social media in a little bit uh, after sort of the main discussion uh, but if you have any thoughts on that, do uh, let me know. I would love to to hear your thoughts. In the chat, uh, Kevin Cutliffe points out that like they use the Japanese scoring 
uh, for this movie. So there's really no way for them to have added in a Western song for that scene, which is fair. I still miss it. I don't know about that. (laughs) I I think they could certainly just, you know, skip the Japanese score in that spot and just put the other song in. True, true. Um, You can can always do a hybrid, make, make choices. But yeah, I don't know if I have the same feeling as you do about it feeling empty. But yeah, having that history with that scene that we do, like, it's hard not to view every scene of the movie with a comparison of like, last time they did it like this. Like, I don't dislike the, that, the way that scene plays out in this new adaptation, but at the same time, yeah, it, it is hard to reconcile the fact that I do just miss that song. It was a good song. Well, unlike We Are a Miracle, Brother My Brother, uh, easily available on all the music stores and streaming services pretty much. You shouldn't have any trouble finding that there. It's on one of their uh, greatest hits album, and then, like I said, the live version. I, I guess they had to jump through, I, I assume they must have had to jump through some hoops since that is a a Nintendo slash Pokemon own song, I believe, to uh, get that out there and and work on that. But I guess as the Pokemon audience has grown up and started attending more of their shows, you know, it's like their third or fourth or fifth most popular song, probably, um, depending on how you measure uh, and where you look. But it's still something important to the band, and I, I would have liked to add some version of it with this, and it's kind of disappointing, at least to me and to a number of other folks, that um it isn't in there yeah um so you talked a little bit about the score and uh this uses a relatively close um well it's it's based on the japanese score of this remake which is largely based on the japanese score of the original version Mm -hmm. and uh so this is kind of you know shinji miyazaki's last pokemon movie at least for the time being since he is kind of um he's like in his early to mid-60s, so he's kind of, I guess, maybe retiring or moving on to other things after about 20 years with the series. But, um, you know, I don't think any of his work is really all terrible or anything, but uh, just, uh, those of you who have listened to the series know that I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of his work either. Part of it is just it's not necessarily what I would be interested in. But as far as this remake was considered, you know, it, it's... Parts of it were, none of it was ear-splitting or anything like that. I would, do not want to characterize it that way because that's not fair to him. But there wasn't a ton I found super memorable either. Um, and now that I've set that up, why don't you give your overall thoughts on the score? Um, this is one of the movies, like Japanese scoring in general and Shinji Miyazaki with Pokemon movies make good use of silence or... Not always good use of silence. They make a lot of use of silence. And this is one movie where I think the silence works. It's very weighty and heavy. One one of the scenes um, that I think of is when they kind of brave their way through the ocean and they make it to the palace and they meet Nurse Joy on the dock and then walk up the stairs into the dining hall. In English, there's kind of like some spooky... Uh, undertones in in the original version but in one of the things that struck me about the Japanese version of the movie back in the day was that it's it's pretty much silent and in this remake that's kind of the same vibe it's almost dead silence as they're coming up to that door it's just the sounds of their footsteps and doors opening it creates a mood and I understand that not everybody maybe um, gets along with that and other places where the music is sparse, um, usually during very um, 
moments where they want you to be thoughtful and kind of process and digest like what you're seeing visually I find it's a very deliberate choice and it works for this movie there's a there's a lot of very heavy things going on here and sometimes I think with the nuances that go on in this movie um, and some very subtle yet heavy questions that they're asking we don't necessarily want a big score all the time we want to have those moments where it's very little music or nothing at all so that we can just appreciate kind of the stark contrast and the bleak horror that is this situation and why it's why the Pokemon fighting each other is wrong why Mew and Mewtwo's animosity toward each other is wrong why the humans are kind of having their moment of horror as they're watching this all go down even though Pokemon battles are just a day-to-day part of their lives I think this is a movie where that silence and that sparsity really works. So I don't mind it. I as I seem to like it a lot more than you do. Well, there are, you know, there are definitely little periods of silence even in the uh the English dub version true, here yeah. and there. It's not like it's completely wall-to-wall music or stuff like that. There's a few quiet passages here and there. Mm-hmm. Um I did not get a chance to rewatch the English version for this discussion. I just couldn't squeeze all that in. It was more important to Make sure I listen to the new music and whatnot. But um, there, there are kind of like two scenes I want to talk about score-wise. Well, maybe more than that. But let's – well, we can kind of go in order. So the first one I want to talk about is the uh, the Dragonite going off to deliver the, the invitations part. Um, now, in the uh, Japanese version, they have, I would say, a decent enough song there. Um, you know, like I said, the, the, the scoring style for the Japanese one is definitely more broad strokes than, um, the, the English one. Although it, it gets like the music for the short, which is not associated with this at all, uh, this remake at all is, uh, is in the English score, at least is even more action by action. But, um, the, the English, uh, dub 99 song that they used there is the score cue is called, uh, Dragonite Takes Flight. And, um, you know, that one is really sticks in my mind and, and not having it there, you know, the, the Japanese score works, but it's, it's not the kind of, um, not as triumphant as I would like for, you know, seeing a, a Pokemon like that in flight. Um, any thoughts on that scene? Um, I don't have a ton of thoughts. Like I'd have to listen to it again. I yeah, I don't have a a real solid opinion. Like they're just different to me. It's not my favorite scene in the movie, so I'm not as invested. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose you're right there, but um uh it is a a very well uh loved theme at least on on my mm. end. And then we'll talk about uh when the the starter clones are fighting the original starter fully evolved, so you know, uh, Venusaur, Blastoise, Charizard. The music in the Japanese version is decent, but Again, and and maybe some of this is just the radio programmer in me, because you know <laughs> you you can like the movie one way or the other, but I think it's fairly evident that from a radio perspective, um, the the English dub score to the ninety nine version is what you would choose to play on a radio station that did movie scores, sort of a hybrid of like maybe traditional pop radio and, and soundtracks, sort of meeting halfway in the middle. Mm. And I and 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 stuff of that nature. I did generally find that the score elements that were more melodic in nature would be 
more um, popularly received back in the PIRN days. And uh, but three on three, the the English score element there. Um, I like the way it builds between each of those three battles. And, and going back to Dragnet Takes Flight, I believe it uses a few notes for there during the Charizard versus Charizard battle huh. to sort of bring those back as sort of the flight theme of the of the movie. And uh, certainly from a musical perspective, um, or certainly from, like I said, from a radio perspective or from a, a music by itself perspective, I think it maybe does a better job. And it's what I would have kind of preferred to have in, in this scene. They would have had to, you know, for a lot of these cues, they would have had to redo them and lengthen some of the stuff for the lengthened scenes and stuff like that. But it's something I suppose they could have done. Uh, any thoughts on that uh, musical scoring choices for that scene, Anne? That's interesting. Like, I'd honestly not considered that. And it, that is interesting because I do think in Japan there's still radio at least in the past few years, has been still kind of a big local radio stations and playing anime music and soundtrack music is still a, a thing. So yeah, I'm, that's an interesting thing to consider. I, you have a lot more experience with this and knowing what works and what doesn't than I do. But that, it, that it honestly is something that never entered my mind. And now I have, now I have things to think about. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, like I said, from a radio perspective, it's it's, it's pretty easy to delineate these. Which one you prefer is somewhat a matter of preference, but I think I would definitely have preferred that. And then, of course, we got to talk about sort of the, the the climax, as it were, of the movie, where you know Ash sacrifices himself. Uh, spoiler alert! <laughs> and uh, you know gets petrified, and Pikachu tries to shock it back to life, and then we get the the the, the tears and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I think there's definitely some scoring, especially after the tears start coming in the Japanese version. But I think most of the folks, if you're listening to this one, you definitely would immediately recognize, even without the, the movie, the tears of life cue that comes up in that portion. And um, I really, um, I usually wind up crying watching this movie, especially as I've Aww. grown to like it more in that part. And this version without with the different music, I'm sure it definitely worked for a lot of folks, um, judging from social media and whatnot. But in this particular case, it just, yeah, it, it was kind of there and it, I, I felt a lot less emotional impact on it, uh, maybe for other reasons, too. I suppose if there were those, especially those last two, those last two score elements in the English version, I would have, if I had to pick and choose which ones to bring over to this version... Um, those would be ones I would want to have represented in some way. Hmm. Tears of Life is a very good song. Like, and in the world of Pokemon scores where we don't have a ton of super iconic tracks, like it is one of the ones that people recognize. Yeah, there was a, um, a cover. There are several covers. There's not as many covers as, say, uh, The Legend Comes to Life slash Lugia's theme, which, um, you know... Wins all the prizes. Like I said, we'll yeah. talk about whether we would want to see this treatment for other Pokemon movies in, in the future. Um, but Tears of Life, there was a cover put out, I guess, last year by the uh, Vitamin String Quartet group. Oh. Um, it's part of their Geek Wedding Forever series, actually. Which is kind of, I used it on my uh, Detective Pikachu Pokemon episode I did for my video game music radio show that I do around here sometimes. So it's it's definitely made an impact there, and I did see some comments about how when people talked about the the new score, 
how they said, yeah, it, it, that scene did not have the emotional impact without that music. So, hmm. you know, I, 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 I very much expected some divided opinions on this remake. Um, but that was sort of one of the other parts of the score that I think, you know, like I said, I, I definitely prefer the other version. I think they, they had some nice things in these various places and it's a, it's a bit of a different style. It, Having not really listened to the score, um, to the Japanese version of the score until now, and seeing this version, it's, to be honest, from all the other movies Shinji Miyazaki scored, it's about what I expected, and um, I am interested to see how this new person works out. Like I said, I'm not going to say Shinji Miyazaki, oh, he's this terrible person that's so overrated by the uh, purist community. No, that's not really how I feel about it. I do feel he did better work. Uh, when he had some sort of thing to go on, like uh, you know the the legend theme in the in the second movie, or uh, Arasian in the uh, Dark Ride movie, or when he was sort of like like the non Koba stuff in the in the Latias and Latios, the fifth movie. I think you know some of the stuff he produced there is some of his his better work in that regard. You know, at least it's more interesting to me. But as time went on, I, I think there were just fewer and fewer things that, at least from a radio perspective, I felt were really interesting. So hmm. I guess that's kind of my two cents on the score. Uh, and anything else? Um, I don't know if I have that much more to say about it. You wouldn't hire just any band to do a song based on the legend from Pokemon 2000 as not many acts would have the talent to give it just the right balance of seriousness and humor. Thankfully, the B-52s were willing and able to provide their services for the soundtrack. Sure, the chosen one might not be as off the wall as Rock Lobster, but it does capture the sense of fun the band is known for, and with its surf rock influence, it fits in nicely with the movie's tropical island setting. If you want to draw parallels to the characters of the movie, well, Fred's voice does remind me of the island elder, and Kate and Cindy could represent Melody, but it's more likely you would simply attribute it to a musical group performing during the festival. I suppose that's an idea if this movie ever gets a remake. In any case, do you think they made the right decision tapping this group for this song? Be sure to let us know. Thanks. All right. Well, there's definitely one more musical aspect we should talk about, and that's the opening for this. Mm -hmm. So as much as we've been talking about how much stuff from the original uh, English dub did not make it in here, first of all, on the Japanese side, they use a, a new version of Aim to be a Poker Master, although I think it's very close to the original 98 version that they did for, for the original theatrical release. Like There aren't very many differences at all. Mm-hmm. And then on the English side, they have what's called the Mewtwo mix of the Pokemon theme. It is very clearly patterned, but by no means identical to the Billy Crawford version from the 99 dub of the uh, the first movie. But you can definitely tell there's a lot of elements that are fairly one-to-one. -one. That being said, I, I did want to talk about some 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 real differences, at least between like the, the album cut of... That song versus the uh, of, of the Billy Crawford version versus the use in here and use in the movie. So one big difference I noticed is that in the uh, in the in the movie, uh, the original the ninety nine dub, you know little parts where there are sound effects or little little voice clips from Ash primarily. 
that go over the song there, and the a song is edited in such a way that it, I think it integrates quite well in the 99 version, and that is largely, I would say, absent from this remake, and I do kind of miss that, you know, and I, I miss not having ass say, you know, nice job, Bulbasaur, you did it, or having the uh, the pirate guy's Pokeball come out right before the second verse starts mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and I mean, that, that those actions are more or less in there, but the, the vocal samples are not, and... To be honest, that, at least in terms of how it's used in the movie, kind of does diminish it musically for me. Uh, and w- did you have an experience like that? or I don't know if it was quite the same, but it kind of along those same lines of just, yeah, like you, since they're doing a shot-for-shot shot remake pretty much with this new adaptation, you notice when things are different. And that was one of the things I noticed was like, there used to be, a word here. There used to be a sound effect here. There, things like that, and you know that is kind of locked in our memories of how we perceived the movie and how we perceived that scene. I don't know that there's necessarily any way to win in that situation when you're making something that is almost identical yet not quite. But I definitely noticed. Yeah. So, because that's one of the big compliments I have about the uh, the '99 dub version is how, and I guess by extension, some of what the the '98 Japanese version is how integrated and well edited that that opening sequence is, and and tightly. I, I don't know. They've done you know battling opening sequences many times later in the franchise, and and kind of yet. Um, Never, to be honest, quite gotten something quite that tight and that good. Not that everything has to be, you know, just like that. I don't want every opening to be a battle sequence, and I don't think everything needs to be quite like that. But it is always fun when they can follow the dynamics there. Um, the other sort of structural thing that I noticed is that the the bridge of the song was moved earlier into the sequence. I don't know if that was just to make it... Uh, fit better and stuff like that. I, I don't think it was that way in the or the '99 dub. I think that it was still near there at the end. But um, that that I also noticed uh, definitely some differences, but very clearly patterned um, on that. If you want to know more about like the the open that movie version of the the first movie theme, I talk about it a little bit with uh, Neil Jason, who did the arrangements, and is strangely not credited in the uh, credits. You think he'd have, since it's clearly based on that. You think he'd have some sort of like arrangement credit or something like that, since it's based on his original arrangement very clearly. But uh, in any event, musically, what do you think of those those two versions on the English side that ran? On the one hand, like as I always say, I appreciate trying something different. I don't think it opens as strong when you know it hits that first electric guitar note. I think this new version, it's got a different quality to that guitar. Like it's more, almost more of the staticky distortion feel than the note. I just don't feel that it opens in the same way. Like that first original Pokemon theme just like pierced through everything. That said, like this new arrangement, I, I believe like it's Haven and some other people are credited as doing additional voices for it. So they try a lot of interesting things. They hit the harmonies hard. Um, I appreciate a lot of the little things that they were doing. At the end of the day, it's the Pokemon theme. I'm I'm satisfied. I don't know if it's my favorite version of it, but I'm satisfied. 
Yeah, that is one thing I would like to try in the future is to do a an episode where we discuss all the official versions of the English <laughs> Pokemon theme and sort of decide which one is our favorite. Uh, that's like a future discussion. I think I think we want to do at least I want to do it. <laughs> but uh, as far as like the the ninety nine versus this version, I think the ninety nine version is maybe a, a a notch or two above this one. But neither one is bad. Not sure how much else I have exactly to say there, but that's that's about how I, I feel about that. Like I said, mostly my thing is like the editing and the little voice and sound effect samples aren't there. There is a little bit of like Pikachu zapping you can hear in it, and they did fix the um, the Golem. They took that out for like a drowsy or something, so it wouldn't uh, be immune to electricity. So that works. I, I assume like their other option was to have Pikachu use Iron Tail instead or something like that, but. Um, which would have been, I guess, kind of interesting to have it wipe away all three of them with one iron tail would have been kind of fun. But uh, Continuity? What is continuity? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think that is uh, going to cover, like, it's taken a while, which I figured it would, given all the yeah. comparisons and contrasts and stuff like that. Yeah, I would like to point out just with uh, Mizase Pokemon Master, like, it, it, it's just a remastering. It's not a remake. Um, but... That remastering, um, you kind of hear some very some of the subtler parts of the instrumentation that I found were very interesting. Like I caught that this time, um, and that's pretty much true of every remake of Mizase Pokemon Master, I think. But yeah, like this new remastering, like just certain instrumental bits stuck out a little bit more than they had previously. So it kind of just felt a little bit fresh. I suppose. I do think with the English uh, dub Pokemon theme, they've done more over the years experimentally with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, my favorite, well, my favorite AMD Pokemon Masters is still the accordion version from Movie 5. But even <laughs> in that case, they they still, it's still, you know, all due respect to Rika Matsumoto, it's the, it's the same same vocals, nothing super different, except in a few places. They haven't experimented with it really, honestly, as much as the um, things there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Well, as you can kind of guess in living in this modern age, we didn't have this back in 99 or 98, but today we have this wonderful thing that um, doesn't always provide a, a very uh, objective view of things called social media. <laughs> but I did grab some comments on there that I thought were interesting and I wanted to discuss here. If you have any comments in the chat room or if you're watching this on replay, go ahead and give us a comment on this and we'll try to work those in. So I collected a bunch of stuff off of Twitter. That's one of the nice things about these premieres these days. I try to go in and find some comments that I find interesting about this movie and its, and its music. But let's go ahead and start with just a few of them. So here are a few comments about uh, the uh, the Tears of Life scene and how there were some folks. I, I did, you know, there were some folks who said, oh, good, it uses the Japanese score and whatnot. Um, I didn't find, I did find one person who was able to sort of elaborate beyond it being just sort of a, sorry to, to use this terminology, sort of a checkbox thing. Like they actually provided some some thoughts on, on why they preferred it, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. But... Um, you know, I, I think the the comments on if someone mentioned music, they tended to comment more negatively as time uh, over the after the first day or so. And some folks went back to see it. They said, you know, what was missing in the score, or what was or brother, my brother, or some of the other songs that they they wanted to have in there that weren't in there. Um, here, like I said, you can see some um, Pikachu try, crying and talking about the 
the score and you know I wouldn't have expected them to use like the the original dub score as is I would expect them to do some some rearranging and extending and playing around with it but I would would I, it's clearly there's some folks who were expecting to hear certain themes in there and just didn't get them and it affected the emotionality on there like there's one with uh you know crying pikachu didn't feel the same and um the clones and originals fighting wasn't as impacting or seeing pikachu cry so definitely some um some thoughts out there that um you know if you were less emotionally affected by this remake that may have been kind of a reason like i said i i try not to have too much of an agenda i always like to separate what works for me versus what i kind of expected and uh, lest you think i was able to find some uh foreign comments there were actually a lot of foreign comments on various aspects of this movie which was really nice it kind of shows what a broad impact but there were actually i even found some some foreign stuff where uh folks lamented about the songs that were not in there so you can see one where someone uh thought that uh where was brother my brother and then over on the right side these are both from uh someone in a spanish-speaking country this one on the right here, uh, if you're watching this on live, is um, it, it says, you know, I really uh, wanted to say that uh, they felt very fortunate in their childhood. They had a couple that, that their favorite singer uh, participated in the soundtracks of two of their favorite movies, Mulan and Mewtwo Strikes Back. So I think we know who that is. It's obviously 98 Degrees. No, <laughs> nothing against 98 Degrees. They do actually, that's another parallel between those two movies musically, is they both, the soundtracks at least, both have songs by those two artists, which is kind of interesting. And uh, apparently he looked to try and find We Are Miracle. And as we mentioned earlier, it's not on most of the digital services. It's sort of in this limbo state. I wish I knew exactly what was hanging up. If they were, Hopefully they'll find some way. Maybe Christina someday will put out a, um, a uh, compilation of all her like movie songs. I looked it up. There's a ton of them. Um, there's like enough to fill a full album if, as long as they can get all the rights together for it, which is kind of impressive. I think she's trying to follow maybe the, the Weird Al career path. Um, without necessarily being a comedy artist to try and get new folks interested in her music on a generational basis. Okay, so this was sort of the one more descriptive song, or the one more descriptive comment I could find on the score being changed to use something, you know, the Japanese version, basically. And I, I asked this person about, to elaborate, and they were able to provide me some stuff, Really enjoy it. I guess the term they used was samples in the uh, orchestral score. And I asked for a little bit of an elaboration. And uh, this person came up with a comparison to uh, the Sonic OST. I'm not sure. I don't think this person is referring to the recently released Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but more the games. And uh, a certain meme Soja Boy song. I only know it's like the Soja Boy tell them that one, but maybe that's something else. Felt it gave it an older and more grandiose and I wouldn't use this word necessarily, but intense sound to it. And do you have any any thoughts on the ones I have up right now? Um, I'm I'm kind of still processing what this person has written. I'm not sure if I necessarily understand enough about the one memed Soja Boy song to really comment there, but yeah. I, I think I understand what they're going for with the older feel. Like, these are some interesting observations. I, I like that they're able to put some, some, some of their thoughts into words because a lot of my thoughts about the score are impressions that I'm not sure how to voice. But a lot of this is ringing true to me. 
yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to it. It's not, as you can probably guess by my comments here, and I'm not saying you're, you know, you're some horrible, dumb person if you don't agree with my position. That's not what we do here. Uh, we are Midwest nice. We are not uncritical. But, um, you know, this is not the, the musical direction I would have personally taken, um, not being fully aware of, like, the budgetary and whatnot constrictions they might have there. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate to this person for at least being uh, able to elaborate a little bit on it, because usually when I hear people talk about Shinji Miyazaki, I, I get more of a vibe of, like, they're, they're angry whenever his stuff gets replaced, and it's like, you know, I don't think it's awful or anything, but usually the dub stuff has has come across better to me, and um, things of that nature. So I found a couple comments about the English ending theme song. I believe these are both there. Um, they're talking about the uh, the music and art in the end credits. The art in the end credits is not a CGI recreation of the various scenes you would have seen. It's actually all like designed to mimic various hand-drawn styles, which is, I think is kind of a neat thing that's sometimes done with CGI movies as they take stuff and, and do like hand-drawn representations of the characters in there. And uh, another person said, uh, called the uh, English anything sad-sounding, and I like these lyrics. So <laughs> some comments on Keep Evolving, I you. suppose. We're on a vibe. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's somewhat of a tragic quality to that one. I'll give it that. We did get a, a few comments in the chat room right now about... <laughs> Um, I think Kevin is referring to the dub of this remake that um, during the um, the Pikachu crying scene, the dub actually doesn't – you don't actually hear Pikachu crying or whatever because they dubbed the, the music over it, that scene there. And I'm not sure – I think that's what he's referring to there. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But I, I definitely know in the, you know, in the 99 dub version, you can definitely – when Tears of Life play, you can definitely hear Pikachu in in a lot of that. Um, so it's yeah, I um, definitely have opinions about that. Like, uh, Ikue breaks me. Like she did so freaking good in that movie, and like I I definitely respect the choice. Like, there's definitely a, a definite choice to um, maybe kind of pull back on Pikachu and bring in some of the other Pokemon. It does give, as I said in the comments, like a a very different sense of atmosphere and weight. But my gosh, like I think people who are talking about like, I didn't feel the same with Pikachu crying. Part of that might be because you didn't hear Pikachu crying. She wrecked us with that first, her first performance in that original movie to take that out in any, in any degree or even t- and I often I also feel like the scene was just cut shorter in general on that front. Obviously, we're going to feel differently about it. Yeah, I mean, even going to you know, there's a little bit of Pikachu, sad Pikachu in uh, Detective Pikachu in one of the flashback scenes there. Thinking in, in Detective Pikachu, that also gets me a little bit, even though it's a much shorter, smaller amount of crying in there when uh, the, the elder Goodman is. Uh, uh, lying on the ground there, but um, see, so Kevin gave us a little bit more of a comment. So, like when Pikachu cries in movie twenty two, you see all the other Pokemon crying, but they're silent. The dub adds their voices over them in, the, in that scene. And I think that that part, at least, is also in the um, in the original version. Uh, the to say the ninety nine dub version also has that, um, if I remember correctly. 
I think they um, did up to a point, yeah. I just, I feel that scene just overall is shorter, and I don't love that. <laughs> I, li- I liked yeah. having to sit with our grief, basically. <laughs> so I, I think it's definitely different in the different versions, and I guess that's something to pay attention to the next time I, I go through and watch each of those. Mm. Well, we've definitely spent our time on this one as far as just, just the music, and I think that's going to... Uh, be there I I think my overall opinion is I definitely prefer the 99 dub on a musical level sorry to say this well nothing in this new dub I would say is awful or anything it it feels like a step back and it kind of diminishes my overall opinion of the of the movie there so I don't despise this movie or anything um, because of its music but I I do feel it's a lesser movie to me based on that Uh, and what are your kind of overall thoughts on the music um, well, this musically, this movie in general, like, feels like someone brought you out a second dessert. Like, you don't need a second dessert, but you're not going to turn it down. So I am i don't feel disappointed just because it's its just more. That said, I there are some things I agree with and some things I don't agree with. I love Keep Evolving. I enjoy some of the... Some of the musical choices in Shinzi Miyazaki's score and the fact that um, English speakers get to experience it, even if they don't necessarily always like it as much as the original dub score. So, yeah, I, guys, I can always just go back and watch whatever m- version of the movie I prefer whenever I feel like it. So I don't feel disappointed too much. Th- this movie is just extra. So I can take the good and the stuff that I don't love as much doesn't bother me that I think it's pretty obvious though this is not necessarily my go-to when I want to watch this Pokemon story this is not going to be my go-to movie musically or otherwise but there is a lot of good happening here that I appreciate I think that's kind of how I how I feel about it like I said uh, <laughs> musically I, there's no part that really jumps out to me and say oh they really move things up uh, a, a big amount there versus an aspect of the other one but I think Part of that is is me, you know, even though I like a lot of the Japanese music, especially the vocal music, um, I just, I think, prefer things to be more thematic. And with the score being from the Japanese version, well, I'm sure these are ingrained into the heads of folks who have seen the Japanese version a zillion times. It's just, you know, the the omissions and the changes, I wouldn't call them awful or ear-splitting. They don't ruin the movie for me, but they, they diminish it. And that's just kind of how I feel about it. Anyway, our next discussion, we'll be headed back to the realm of Pokemon side games. And our next discussion, we're going to be discussing the music of Pokemon Puzzle League for the N64. So for those of you who aren't aware, Puzzle League, which interestingly has stuck around as the name of the series. I don't think we've seen an entry for a while, but it would become the name of the series in the West going forward. Is a is a puzzle game, of course, and it's based on a Japanese game called Panel de Pan, and uh, which originally was localized to the West as Tetris Attack and featured Yoshi's Island characters, and then they keep remaking this game using, well, they made it again using the uh, the a Pokemon themed version. There's also a separate game for the game color with totally different music. But uh, most of the stuff in in Pokemon Puzzle League for the N64 is derived either from To Be a Master or Pokemon the first movie. So we won't be escaping quite so easily if uh, discussing the music of this movie <laughs> with our next discussion. 
uh, if you want to play that, it was on the, the original Wii Virtual Console. I don't think it was brought over. But uh, cartridge shouldn't be too hard to find. But Anne, uh, are you looking forward to discussing the music of that? I've never played this game, actually. So, yes, I'm... There, there will be new experiences for me on many fronts. Well, I've definitely played a, a fair amount of it over the years. It'll be interesting to sort of revisit that and its music, which I think has some pluses and minuses. They did some interesting things and some things that maybe didn't work out uh, so great there, but we'll see what happens with all of that. But until then, Anne, thank you very much for being on. Thank you. This has been Stephen Reich. All right, folks, thanks. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at pokepress on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, as far as the ending credits, of course, there are three other songs. There's uh, Hey You, Free Up Your Mind, which mm-hmm, is a fine yeah. song. I, 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 They could just play, if they did a new version of Weird Miracle, they could just do that in its entirety, I think, and fill up the credits. You know, and then there's uh, If Only Tears Could Bring It Back, which, by the way, is on the digital services. It's part of this weird compilation album that somehow got posted up there. I don't know exactly what happened with that. And then Don't Say You Love Me is, uh, with a slight lyrical difference, is available pretty much anywhere and um, although that was very closely promoted with the with the movie, um, mainly because I think they were just able to do more with that, and M2M was an Atlantic artist, so they had kind of the incentive there. So that that sort of tidies up the end credits portion there. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, yeah, We're a Miracle, as far as the end credits goes, is sort of the, the biggest missing thing there to, to me, um, with all due respect to Ed Goldfarb and the, and the staff there.